growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Most people strive for a wonderful life, right? I mean, that's the natural idea that people strive for. But what if it's not enough? What if there's something more that God wants for us? What if it's not about wonderful? What if it's about wonderful? Wonderful. That's a word we use to describe a lot of things. We talk about going to a wonderful restaurant, or we describe a person as having a wonderful personality. Of course, wonderful is an adjective that we would all like to attach to the life that we live. But what if God wants us to have a life that's even better than wonderful? I want us to start this series off by looking at a young lady who seemed to know the difference and discover the difference between a wonderful life and what, and what many people may assume makes for a wonderful life and a wonderful life. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk, and welcome to our brand new series built around the Christmas story entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. Over the next five weeks, we're going to take a look at five different characters involved in the Christmas story and what made their life wonderful. As Pastor Clay is going to explain, most everyone wants to live a wonderful life, but God wants us to have something more. God wants us to have a wonderful life. Now, I'm going to build a case for why surrender has to be a part of your life if you're going to truly experience a wonderful life. It has to include this idea of surrender. We're kicking this series off in the book of Luke, chapter 1, and the encounter between the angel Gabriel and a young lady named Mary. No doubt Mary had her idea of what would make for a wonderful life, but God had other plans for Mary that would lead to a wonderful life. We're so glad you've joined us for this Christmas season series. Now, here's Pastor Clay. Starting a a new series uh, dealing with uh, some of the aspects of what ultimately I believe make for a wonderful life. Get it? Wonderful. Thank you. That's... Most people strive for a wonderful life, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. It's a wonderful life is a, is a, is a natural idea that, that people strive for. Uh, but, but what if it's not enough? What if, what if there's something more that God wants for us? What if it's not about wonderful? What if it's about wonderful? Did anybody dare to venture out on Black Friday? Which now it's like Black Half Thursday, Black Friday. What is, what is this... Um, this infatuation that we have with, with stuff and just with, with possessions and that, you know, uh, there's, it, whatever I have, it's never enough. If you guys know, it's, it's, it's this next level, this next thing, or, or this whatever. I, I, wanna, I want us to start this series off by looking at a young lady who seemed to know the difference and discover the difference between a wonderful life and what, and what many people may assume makes for a wonderful life and a wonderful life. Life. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you did, uh, be it uh, hard copy, old school, or digital copy, or whatever it might be, you can open it this morning to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 1 and part of the Christmas story. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you may be hearing it for the very first time. One of the things I love about cross-culture is that we oftentimes have guests come in that have very little church background. That excites me very much because that's who our target is, Right? That's who we're aiming. We're aiming at, pe- aiming at people. We want any, God to draw anybody, but we're trying to say, listen, if you don't know God, if you don't know diddly about God, we'd love to share who he is, what his plan is for your life, and what he's done for you. We're in Luke chapter 1. We're beginning this morning in verse 
uh, 26. It's the story of Mary and how Mary discovered a wonderful life. Let's read it. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's talk about one of the aspects of a wonderful life. And the word we're looking at this morning is the word surrender. Now, here's what that means. Let's, let's start out with this idea. Surrender means not holding on to anything you have too tightly. Now, I'm going to build a case for why surrender has to be a part of your life if you're going to truly experience a wonderful life. It has to include this idea of surrender. And what you have to understand about surrender is one of the things that it means is that you're not holding on to anything you have too tightly. In verse 26 and 27, I know I just read it, but it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Mary was born and raised in this town called Nazareth. Village, really. Town would probably be... A bit of an exaggeration. It was this little village, this little wide spot uh, in the road. It was of little to no consequence to the rest of the world. But it was Mary's town. It was, it was Mary's home. And it was, the, it was the birthplace of Mary's dreams. See, Mary, in many respects, was, was not unlike the rest of us who have dreams and aspirations for, for our lives. Don't we? Most of it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we don't voice it a lot or maybe we don't talk about it a lot. Some people do, you know. But, but most of us have some idea or concept of, of, of some aspiration or some dream that I want my life to turn out this way or I want this about my life or, or I, I wish it was this way. Mary had those things. Now, Mary grew up in a time and in a culture where her, uh, her idea of dreams, her aspirations, her concept of those kind of things would have been very different from the culture in which we live today. Mary never dreamed of, of appearing on American Idol. 
Mary had uh, no uh, aspirations of, of uh, graduating from college or, or being a part of a, of a startup company. Mary had uh, no uh, dreams of uh, attaining some certain uh, level of societal status that made her significant in the world. She, she knew that she was never going to travel the world or see sights or anything like that. Mary's dreams were very simple. Get married, have a home, have children. That's pretty much Mary's aspirations. Those are her dreams. She's engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, I don't know for sure, but Joseph's probably not any Brad Pitt. And that's okay because Mary's probably not any Angelina Jolie. And when you grow up in a town that, whose nickname is Weed Patch, you really can't afford to be that picky. And besides, he was a carpenter by trade. So the work was, was probably fairly steady and can be kind of a handy thing to, to have a carpenter around the house. My wife wished she had a carpenter around the house from time to time, I'm sure. It can be. Yes, she does. Every time Rocky shows up, she has a carpenter around the, around the house. So... <laughs> But, but that's her life. That, that's, that's her dream. That's, that's her aspiration. Get married, have a home, and have children. Can I tell you, that's not unlike a lot of ladies' aspirations, dreams, even today. But by most people's standards, in the culture in which we live, most people would probably say, oh, well, that, that's, that's not very high standards. That, that, that's not much of a, of a dream. But it was Mary's dream. And, and, it was, and it was right within reach because, because she's engaged to be married to Joseph. She's, so she's already almost got the first part taken care of, getting married. And Joseph's a carpenter, so I'm pretty sure she's probably, he's probably doing a bang-up job on the house. He's getting ready for him. And children come along in that culture, would come along usually uh, quite quickly. But that's Mary's life. That's her dream. That's in Mary's idea in Mary's mind, that's what's going to make for, for her a wonderful life. Oh, wait. Mary had one other dream. I don't know that you really can call it a, a dream or an aspiration. But as I understand it, I don't know if it's still practiced. I, I guess I should check that out. I don't know if it's still practiced. But, but as, as I understand it, in that culture 2,000 years ago, uh, every Jewish girl growing up was taught to pray that they would be the mother of the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Jew would say. Um, Messiah is, is just a word that simply means the anointed one, uh, the deliverer, the savior. It's the, it's the identical thing in Greek, it's the Christ. You see, the Jews were taught, the Old Testament prophets had taught that someday God was going to send his deliverer. God was going to send his, his savior, his Messiah into the world to rescue the nation of Israel. Now, they thought that meant, you know, a, a military rescue, a, a political rescue, and going to throw off the Roman bondage. Obviously, they got that wrong. But the point is, they believed that Messiah was coming. As a matter of fact, historically, we know that the, the, the anticipation of the Messiah coming was kind of speeding up. That there was this sense that, that the Messiah might, might come pretty soon. So somewhere along the way, the practice had started for uh, young ladies as they grew up to pray that, that they would get to be the mother of the Messiah. But come on. Really? I mean, what are the odds of that happening? Especially for Mary. A nobody from nowhere. But here's the thing. Here's the deal. 
There are no nobodies in the eyes of God, and there is no nowhere from God's perspective. And so Mary has her dreams and her aspirations, and God has something else in mind for her. God has a different idea for Mary than what Mary thinks is going to make for a wonderful life. God wants to give something more. God wants to do something more. Do you understand that? What you may sometimes think is wonderful may not be at all what God had, would desire or have planned for you. And there has to come this place of this recognition that it has to be surrendered. There has to come this place where I'm willing to say, I surrender it to you, God. See, that, that's what surrender is. I, I'm just going to tell you this. Uh, most people don't l- like this, and very few people are willing to do this. But here's what surrender uh, is, simply. In order to receive all that God wants to give us, we have to be willing to let go of all that we have. That's surrender. Should I say it again? In order to receive all that God wants to give us, we have to be willing to let go of all that we have. Now, before you hit the ejector button on that seat you're in, listen to me. I'm not saying that God is going to strip everything that you have away from you. He's God. I'm not. Neither are you. And we can leave that in his very capable hands. But what I'm saying is that you and I have to learn this concept that, that, that we cannot hold too tightly to anything that we have. Because if we hold too tightly to anything that we have, we may, we may miss the wonderful life that God desires to give us because we're holding on. Oh, I, I can't let go of this career. Oh, I can't uh, let go of this dream or this plan. Hey, dreams, plans, aspirations, nothing wrong with any of those things, are there? Absolutely not. But how tightly am I holding those? That's the question. To ask. Uh, some of you heard me tell this story before. I think uh, years ago there was a young lady that uh, accompanied me and a, a team to, to uh, the con- continent of Africa, to, to South Africa specifically. And uh, I think, if I remember right, she went twice. Uh, two different teams uh, went to South Africa with us. And God just really gripped her heart uh, for the children, particularly of the African uh, continent. Uh, she went once to South Africa and once to another country that we went to. I can't remember. But uh, God just really gripped her heart for the children of Africa. And uh, one day I was talking to her mom about, the, I mean, it was very obvious. You could see that, that this God, that it just appeared that God was working on her heart about this. And, and, and God had some purposes and some plans. And God had a wonderful uh, experience uh, for this young lady. And I, and I happened to s- ask her mom about this. I said, do you, do you sense or do you think that, uh, uh, that your daughter is, uh, is sensing God's call uh, to the continent of Africa uh, to work with children, to work with, with ladies over there, to give her life over there? I'm telling you, it looked like she was gut shot. I wish you could have seen the look on her face when I said that. And instantly, you know, this just contorted, you know, painful look. And she says, oh, Lord, I hope not. You see, her idea of a wonderful life was her daughter near her, married with children, so they would be her grandchildren that she could play with and spoil and send back home. And, and listen, that is a wonderful life, but it may not be a wonderful life if God has something else, some other purpose that is greater than, than the few passing moments that we have in this life. It's about being willing to surrender 
it all. Uh, look at Luke uh, chapter 14, verse 26. Um, if anyone comes to me and do, does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This is, this is one of what's called the hard sayings of Jesus. I just had a conversation with somebody about this. And I were just recently talking to somebody uh, about this. Maybe it was in our life group. Hate. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay. All right. Relax. You don't have to hate your family. You don't have to hate your family. All right? That's not what he's saying. And we know that's not what he's saying because in other places in Scripture, we have this clear commandment to love our family, to, to care for them, and to, and to do all of those things. The idea, the way most people usually explain it is that what he's saying is, 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 that, is if you do not love them less than me. And, and here's the idea. Listen, and we talked about this in Life Group, that there may be a very good reason why Jesus used such strong language. It's not that you really hate your family. I don't hate my brother who's here from Denver. I get mad at him sometimes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that, it's not that you, you hate them, but that, here's what he's saying. Compared to the love that you have for God, it's almost like you hate them. Do you understand what he's saying? No, don't hate your family. But you love this, this devotion, this love for God is so great, so significant, so impactful, so full, that, that compared to that love... It's almost like you don't even care about your family. Do you know what that is? That's not holding on too tightly, even to the people we love. Uh, look at this passage in James. James is a guy that always kind of cuts to the chase. Uh, he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business, make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a... I wonder if I get on the Oprah show with that kind of motivational talk. You're a Oprah. You're all probably not. You're a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You see what James is doing? He says, listen, folks, put it in perspective. Get a hold of this thing. You think, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm, I'm going to have this great career. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I'm going to have the, you're just, you're just you're just here for a, a nanosecond in the perspective of eternity. And instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. You know what that is? That's not holding too tightly. That's saying, that's saying Father, here it is. All that I have, all that I am, all my hopes, all my aspirations, all my dreams, all my experiences, all my stuff, it's all yours. I am all yours. I am surrender all of it. Ask yourself this question, and, and, and I want you to write this question down, if you would, or put it in your mind, or, or something like that. And I want you to be thinking about this today. Ask yourself this question. What am I not willing to lay at the feet of Jesus? Now, 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 now don't, just, don't just fluff that off. Think about that a moment. What in my life? Because that's what surrender is. Surrender is taking it all to the throne of God and setting it there and say, God, it's all yours. However many days you give me, Whatever gifts and talents you've given me, however much education, whatever, all, all of this stuff is yours, God. I am yours. So ask yourself that question. What am I not willing to lay at the feet of Jesus? And if you come up with an answer, if you can think of something in, in, in a moment of clarity and honesty and you say, you know what, I, I, I've never crossed, I don't think I would 
I'm at this point where I could cross that line. If, if, if you can think of something, that may be exactly the difference between you having a wonderful life and a wonderful life. Because until you come to that place of complete surrender, you'll not be at that place where God can reveal and do all that he desires to do. Okay, let me give you a second idea this morning. I know we've got to move along. Surrender means not thinking you have to have it all figured out. Not holding on to anything too tightly and not thinking that you've got to have it all figured out. Can I get an amen? Yeah, y'all say that, but y'all, you know you want it all figured out, don't you? <laughs> all right, let's look at verse 28. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? Uh, most uh, biblical commentators believe that Mary was, was a young lady somewhere between the ages of 14 and 17 years of age. That's what most people uh, tend to believe. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know exactly how old Mary was, but I am of the conviction that Mary was an incredibly mature, spiritually mature young lady. I don't know how old she was physically. I don't know how mature she was physically, but I, I am of the belief that Mary was an incredibly spiritually mature young lady. A couple reasons that I, that I think that way. Uh, one of them has to do with her reaction to uh, Gabriel showing up on the scene. Uh, it, when, you, when you look at instances in the Bible where, where an, an angel appears suddenly uh, to people, uh, usually to grown men, oftentimes to grown men, one of the characteristics or one of the things that you must always see is that the, these guys just fall down like dead men, just frozen in absolute fear in the presence of this angelic being. Almost always. As a matter of fact, uh, farther, just right back up in this chapter, just a little way up in verse 12, it says that when Gabriel appeared to Zacharias, who was a priest working in the temple, when Gabriel appeared to him, it, it says he was seized with fear. That's the normal reaction that you have. Mary does not seem to have that reaction. Mary seems to have a reaction more having to do with the statement that the angel just made to her. Mary seems to be, seems to be thinking about what in, what, what in, what in the world is, is going on here. Now, I don't want to bore you too much with a Greek lesson. Remember, Greek was the language that the New Testament was originally written in. And so if you want to really get down to the... To, Essence of true meanings, you always want to go back to the original languages. Don't want to bore you too much, but, but let me give you basically uh, a paraphrased literal translation of, of the greeting that Gabriel gave to Joseph. It basically would have looked like this. Grace greeting, you graced one. The Lord's blessing is upon you in a unique way. And Mary seems to be, well, as a matter of fact, in verse, uh, is it 28 or 29 where it says she was pondering these things? Uh, the, wor- the word is uh, dilagizo. You can probably hear the word logic in there. She's, she's contemplating, she's thinking about this, she's saying, what, 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 what would this specific uh, greeting mean for me? What is he saying to me? Now, uh, Gabriel does go on to say, do not be afraid, Mary, but it seems to have more to do with what he's about to tell her, not with the fact that he's standing in her presence. In other words, I believe what we're seeing here is that Mary's first reaction is a spiritual one, not a physical one. Mary reacts spiritually, not naturally. Here's another idea. Well, it's something else that just intrigues me about Mary. And I think I've shared this. 
uh, some before. But uh, after hearing all this stuff that, that Gabriel says, all this, all this cool stuff that's going to happen to her. Uh, I mean, it just go, goes on and, and says, you're going to conceive in your womb. You're going to bear a son. You name him Jesus. And he's going to rule over the house of David. And the kingdom is going to last forever. And after hearing all of this cool stuff that's going to happen to her. Mary's reaction in verse 34 is, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, here's what, this this is important because if we're not careful, we miss stuff. I think we miss stuff because from our perspective, we're looking back and we're saying, well, she says that because she's a virgin and she can't, she she can't have a baby without having a union with with a man. That's from our perspective. But I'm going to ask you something. Why would Mary think that way? We forget, we forget verse 27. Do you remember verse 27? Engage, uh, to, a, to a virgin engaged, engaged to a man named Joseph of the descendants of David. Mary's getting married. And when you got married, remember? Remember the dream? Husband, home, kids. She's engaged to be married. She's almost certainly very close to her wedding date. And in that culture, children just followed very good. Here's my question. Why wouldn't Mary just naturally assume that, that her and Joseph were going to conceive this child? I'm getting, hey, and and remember the Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Well, what did verse 27 say? Joseph's of the line of David. Bing, 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 bing. There you go. Why? Why does Mary say, well, how how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Well, you're getting married. Why wouldn't wouldn't Mary naturally think that she was going to have a natural birth? Here's why. Because Mary's thinking supernaturally. Mary's already, remember, she's pondering. She's thinking, wow, what is, this is something about this. Something about this greeting means something significant. Mary is sharp, man. I'm telling you, Mary is sharp. She knows there's something about this. Because otherwise, I don't see why she wouldn't simply assume that her and Joseph are going to have this child. And, and, and I know, I've got to move on. I, I know uh, Gabriel just tells her all this cool stuff that's going to happen. But he doesn't tell her everything, does he? He doesn't tell her everything. He doesn't tell her that she's going to be gossiped about and looked down upon and accused of, of ha- ha- committing fornication, adultery, that, whatever all that, that might be. He, he didn't mention that to her. Now, now, maybe she was bright enough to figure that out on her own, but he sure didn't volunteer that information, did he? He didn't tell her she was going to have to make this dangerous journey all the way to Bethlehem, uh, extremely pregnant. He didn't tell her that after the baby was born, they're going to have to flee for their lives, run, hide out in in a foreign land where she's never even been before, hide out in Egypt for two years because Herod's going to try and kill her baby. He he didn't mention that, did he? (laughs) He might say, that's good salesmanship. He didn't mention the fact that she would someday have to watch her own son die the hideous death of a criminal on a cross. He didn't mention that. But you know what? For Mary... It's okay. Mary doesn't have to have all the answers. Mary doesn't have to know uh, everything about it. Mary doesn't have to have it all figured out before she does it. It's, it's enough. It's enough. That's part of surrender, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to tell you something now. For this culture in which we live, this is hard. This is a hard one. Because we want answers. So we got that woman in our phone talking to us, telling us where to turn right and when to turn left and exactly how far to go. We want to know ahead of time, don't we? In the, oh, man, in this culture we live. Uh, look at this uh, passage of Scripture from John chapter 20. Uh, you, maybe you remember this story if you've read it before. Uh, this is 
after the resurrection, Jesus been crucified, he risen, and says, now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the wound from the nails in his hands and put my finger into the wounds from the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. Eight days later, the disciples were again together in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, listen, this, this is one of these little things, John. John is always telling us stuff, even when he's not saying specifically what it is. It, 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 as, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then watch this. Then he said to Thomas, he turns immediately to Thomas, and he says, put your finger here, examine my hands, extend your hand, put it into my side. Do not continue in your unbelief, but believe, believe. Faith. And watch. Thomas, sharp guy that he is, replied to him, My Lord and my God, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet believed. There it is for us, ladies and gentlemen. Even if you can't see it, even if you don't have all the answers yet, even if it's not all figured out, even if God hasn't lit up the entire path all along the way to let you know, it's the ability to say, God, I'm sur- I can surrender it all to you. It doesn't matter if I have all the answers. Sure, I'd love to have them, wouldn't you? Who doesn't, who doesn't like it when God just tells you all in advance, here's what you're going to do, here's what's going to happen, here's what you're going to do. But the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. It's okay to not have all the answers have it all figured out. You got to understand that. Okay, uh, real quickly. Let's look at another. Surrender means not worrying about whether it's possible. Not only do you not have to have all the answers, you don't have to worry about whether it's even possible or not. Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth also has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Will you read verse 37 out loud with me, please? For nothing will be impossible with God. Did y'all read that? I couldn't even hear you. For nothing will be impossible with God. You know what's interesting? I mentioned uh, Zacharias earlier. Uh, If you go back up in the text... Uh, and you read about Gabriel's encounter with Zacharias, uh, you find that Zacharias asked for a sign. Zacharias, uh, Gabriel came to him and said, you you and Elizabeth are going to have a child in your old age, um, and uh, that's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. We we know that that it was John the Baptist. Uh, But uh, when, when he goes and he appears to Zacharias, after Zacharias gets over being seized with fear, Zacharias says, says this in verse 18. How shall I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. By the way, isn't it it interesting how even back then, ladies did not like their age to be referred to in a certain manner, right? He has no problem saying, I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. But he asked for a sign. He says, how how, how shall I know this for sure? (laughs) Apparently, Apparently, Zacharias does not take Gabriel at his word. At least, you read on down in the text, verse 19, that's certainly how Gabriel takes it, and he does not seem to be pleased about that. You, I mean, you read it. I think Gabriel gets a little ticked off about this. You go back and you read it. Gabriel says, my word's not good enough for you? Fine. You're not going to be able to speak a word until after the baby is born. How's that for a sign, Zach? Mary, Mary doesn't even ask for a sign. Isn't it interesting? Mary doesn't even ask for a sign, but, but uh, Gabriel gives her one. Ga- uh, uh, Mary just asks a simple question. 
how, how does this work? Because I'm a, I'm a virgin. I know there's something supernatural going on here, but I, I'm a virgin. And I know I'm not very old, but I'm old enough to know that normally it takes a man and a woman to conceive a, a child. And Gabriel gives this, gives this beautiful explanation, doesn't he? Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. and The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And, I mean, you just expect there must have been a- angel harps playing in the background as he's saying. It's just this beautiful, beautiful thing. But, you know, have y'all ever had this occur where sometimes where God kind of speaks and, and you're more confused after he speaks than, than before he even spoke to begin with? When, when, you, know, um, you know what I mean by speaks. Because I'm sure that was nice that Gabriel said that, but sometimes it creates more questions than it does answers. Oh, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me. Oh, the shadow of the Most High is going to over... Oh, oh, okay. But you know what? It's, it's enough. It's okay for Mary. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if it's possible or not. All that matters is, are those little words right there at the end of verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Listen, let, let me just remind you, you probably read these verses many times. Genesis chapter 18. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. Uh, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arms. Nothing is too difficult for you. And then God responds. Jeremiah chapter 32, ver, uh, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord God, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? All right, one more. Mark chapter 10, uh, Jesus speaks. Look at them. Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Sometimes I get in conversations with people that, you know, are, are doubters. And, and the thing that people ultimately doubt is the miraculous. And it's like, you really believe the whole virgin birth stuff? Yeah. It's, isn't that the point in believing in God? I, if God... Uh, is restricted to only doing things that can naturally be explained. Uh, do I really need that God in my life? You, you know what I'm saying? Surrender means not, it, it doesn't even matter if it's even possible. It just matters that we're willing to lay it all at, his, at, the, at the foot of his throne. Say, God, it's all yours. I don't care whether it, it looks like it can happen or not happen. I don't care whether this is at, it's absolutely looking impossible. God, if this, what you're, it's just, is if the, if this is the direction that you are taking me, God, I, I just, that's what surrender is, ladies and gentlemen. Don't think you've got to have it all figured out. And don't think you have to worry about whether it's even possible or not. It happens to be the God of the universe's business, how he gets done what he desires to get done in your life. Can I tell you something? That is an amazingly freeing place in your life when you get to that place where you understand it, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't, we don't have the money to make this happen. It doesn't matter if this or that or, or what. Okay. There's more I can say about that, but, uh, but I'm, I'm bringing the last one. Uh, surrender means not my will, but his will. Oh my goodness. Not my will, but his will. Mary hasn't, she, she hasn't gotten all the answers. She doesn't know everything that's going to happen. Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Isn't it interesting that Gabriel calls Mary favored one of the Lord, but Mary calls herself the bond slave of the Lord? It, it, it's, it's a revelation into the heart of Mary. That Mary, Mary, doesn't, Mary just thinks of herself as nothing more than the handmaid of God. God, what do you want to do? How, what do you want to accomplish? How do you want to do it? It's, it's, it's all up to you. Be it done to me according to thy word. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. That's the key. 
You remember when you were a kid growing up um, and you asked your parents for something and, and many times your parents would say something like this, what's the magic word? Please. There's the magic word. I, I hate to use the phrase magic because I don't think, think in those terms, but there it is. God, be it done to me according to your word. Another way you could say it is simply this, surrender. Surrender. What am I not willing to lay at the feet of Jesus? It's the difference between what, can, listen, can I say this about Mary? I, I think it's fairly safe to say that Mary's life from an earthly perspective was not very wonderful at times. As a matter of fact, I'm sure it was agonizingly painful and difficult at times. Her life did not get easier when God showed up. Okay? Bubble bursting time. Her life did not get easier when God showed up, but her life got better. Husband, home, kids, raise them right there in Nazareth, watch them grow up. Maybe they follow after Joseph and become a carpenter. Maybe a a daughter will marry some nice young man. That would be a wonderful life. And God said, Mary, no, I've got something else. I got more than wonderful, Mary. I got wonderful. Mary, I can can use you to change the eternal destiny of the world. Think about that. Every single person on the face of this planet has an opportunity to spend eternity with the Lord God Almighty because one young lady, a nobody from nowhere, said, God, not my will, but your will. Be it done to me according to your word. Surrender. That's not a word we tend to associate with a wonderful life, but God doesn't do the things that we tend to think he should. As Pastor Clay explained in today's message, Mary was a nobody from nowhere as far as the rest of the world was concerned, but that's never the case as far as God is concerned. Because Mary was willing to surrender it all to God, he was able to do more in and through Mary than she could have possibly imagined. Mary really did live a wonderful life, and you and I can as well. All it takes is surrender. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.